Daniel, Parak Yud Aleph, Chapter 11, Part 2. You will recall that in the last year we talked about the confrontation between the Talmaic and the Seleucid empires, which ruled over, in particular, the land of Israel back and forth in succession to Alexander the Great's world domination. We concluded with Perak Chaf, which stated that somebody will arise in place of the oppressor whose glory of kingship is the overthrow of the oppressor, but in a few years it would be broken, not through wrath and not through war. We spoke yesterday and described this as being the appointment of Heliodorus, a Kohen who became an oppressive ruler of the Jewish people in the time of Seleucus IV. Rashi presents an alternative theory, which that this is the Matichashmonaim, Matisyahu, and his sons, and they will arise with glory of kingship, but ultimately their dynasty will be broken in a few years, not through wrath and not through war, but rather because of um, civil dissent between the two brothers, Horkinus and Aristobulus. We're going to continue now with Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Va'amad al Kano, and then who will stand in its place? Nivzeh, a contemptible one. Upon whom they didn't confer the glory of kingship. He will come with peace. But he will attain his kingship through treachery. This seems to be Antiochus IV's Epiphanes, the younger brother of Seleucus IV. And he was known to be a corrupt and um, immoral person. And they... He, so, he seizes control because the rightful king is his brother's son, Demetrius. And he comes without problems. He just slides in. But he, with treachery, a very wily king, he keeps control of the kingship. It's interesting that the description where it says, is the opposite of the description of Shlomo HaMelech in Divrei HaYamim Aleph in Perek Haftet. So he's seen as totally the opposite of the perfect king. Pasuk Haftet Uzra'ot HaShetev Yishatfu Milfanav And the powers that had swept away others will themselves be swept from in front of him. V'yishaberu and they will be broken. V'gam Nigid Brit as well as the Prince of the Covenant meaning as well as, um, as well as the Jews who had forged the covenant with the Romans. So his forces will overpower all and he will take he will um, he will uh, sweep everybody away. We know that the Kohen Gadol, Chonya the third, was killed by one of um, one of the successors to Antiochus, but um, his name was Andronicus. Um, now we go on and we continue with Pasuk Chaf Gimel. Umin hitchabrut elav, and through alliance with him, ya'asemirma, he will act with deceit, Allah, and he will come up, v'atsam bima'at goy, and will gain power with a small nation. So from those who, he, he just continues to sweep power away from other people and to acquire power for himself, um, it could very well be that this is either Antiochus tricking the Egyptians by saying he's just coming to restore order and he doesn't want to rule, but ultimately taking over the kingdom, or it could be closer to the Jewish story. We know in the book of Maccabees that Apollonius entered a city on Shabbat saying, I just came, entered Yerushalayim on Shabbat saying, I just came to visit, and then killed many, many of these Jews. But even 
with those that he makes treaties with, he acts, he acts, he acts with treachery, and he's able to succeed with only a small force, with only a small nation. Pasuk Haftalit, Bishalva, with peace, he will come in peace. And he'll come to the richest, fattest parts of the kingdom. And he will do what his ancestors, his fathers and forefathers, did not do. He will distribute He will distribute booty, spoils, and wealth. And he will devise plans against the fortresses until the time, meaning until the time that he will um, be taken off from, from, um, from power, that he will no longer succeed. So he enters kingdoms and their luxuries easily because he acts as if he was um, coming in peace. And then he does what has never been done before. And he, he shocks everybody with this, these unprecedented actions. Pasuk once again, he stirs up his strength in his heart against the king of the south, Bechayel Gadol, with a great army. But the king of the south will confront him in war, Bechayel Gadol with an exceedingly great and powerful army. But he will not withstand, because they will devise plans against him. So the kings, the two kings will face off with great armies, and the king of the south will once again lose to the king of the north. We know there was a battle in around 170 BCE, where Antiochus IV defeats Tamai VI. Why does the king of the south lose? Because advisors give him bad advice. We know that Talmud the sixth was very young when at this time, and that his he had regents ruling for him who didn't necessarily make the best decisions on behalf of the kingdom. They did what was good for them personally. Rashi says that they were bribed. Pasuk pat bago, and those who eat his own bread. This is talking about the southern king, the king of the south. Those who eat at his table, meaning his lo- the people who should be loyal to him. Remember, the book started with Daniel refusing to eat the pat bag ha-melech. Yishabruhu will break him. The chelo yishtof, and his army will be, he will then be swept away. V'naflu chalalim rabim, and there will be many, many, um, many, many who will fall. So he is going to, He's going to lose because of internal issues as well. Pasuk Chavzayim, Ushneihem, and Hamalachim, both these two kings, Livavam Lameira, their hearts are to do harm. Okay, they both want to do evil. They, neither one of them, they, they have evil intentions. Va'al Shulchan Echad Kazav. And at one table, they'll conspire and they'll speak deceitfully. Even when they eat at one table, apparently peaceful, they're really deceitful to each other. But they will not succeed. For there is yet an end to the appointed time. Because the time has not yet come for their dynasties to be broken. Rashi sees this, however, as a success of the Romans and that they will not succeed yet because it has not come time for the Jews to be taken into exile. So Pasuk Chavchet, Vyashov Artso, Antiochus IV is going to go home, Berchush Gadol, with great riches. Ulivavo Albrit Kodesh, but his heart is about the Holy Covenant, meaning he wants, to, he's thinking about 
the Jews' alliance with Hashem, Vaasa, and having succeeded, Vishavla Artso, he will return to his land. Or it could just be that he will then do it. And we know that he one of the primary things that Antiochus had against against the Jewish people was that he he despised the Brit Kodesh, the Brit Milah, which we still do to this very day. Pasuk Haftet, Lamoed, in, in about a year, okay, Yashuv Uvava Negev, he will return and come back to the south. But it won't be as it was before in the first time or the last time. We know that Antiochus IV tries to capture Alexandria in the year 168 BCE, but he doesn't succeed and he has to retreat. These two attacks are different. Okay, the first time he won and he pretended friendship. The second time he had an overt attack and he loses. So what will then happen? The Romans are going to intervene. And then the ships of the Kitim will come against the king of the south, the king. And he will be weakened. And he will return home. And he will be upset at the holy covenant. And he will do what he wants to do. He will act. And then he will return. And he will contemplate those who have forsaken the Brit Kodesh. So what's going to happen over here? There are going to be ships that are going to come from Rome, and he will be he will be forced to go return home because he's lost this battle. Rome has intervened. When he's forced to return home, he takes out his anger on the Jewish people. And what does he do? He gives Viaven, he gives help to Ozvei Brit Kodesh, to the ones who forsook the Brit Kodesh, the Holy Covenant, meaning the Hellenists. So here he is, he's um, accused of stopping to, um, of stopping to, of, sorry, of, of giving support to the Hellenists. So not only did we have people from the inside battling against us, we also have people from the outside, which is that much more difficult to deal with. Um, I wanted to share with you a, an interesting story about this battle from Josephus Flavius, where he describes the, I'm sorry, where he describes the battle itself, and he states over here that there was a circle in the sand that was drawn until they would succeed, and that's actually where that expression comes from. That when the guardians of King Ptolemy VI demanded the return of Syria in 170 BCE, Antiochus launched a preemptive strike against Egypt, conquering everything but Alexandria and capturing the king. To avoid alarming Rome, Antiochus allowed Ptolemy to rule as a puppet king. Upon his withdrawal, the city of Alexandria chooses a new king, one of Ptolemy's brothers, who's also named Ptolemy. They weren't too original with the names, and he's known as Ptolemy VIII. Instead of fighting a civil war, the two brothers agree to rule Egypt jointly. In 168 BCE, Antiochus leads a second attack on Egypt and sends a fleet to capture Cyprus. Before he reaches Alexandria, his, pa his path is blocked by a single old Roman ambassador named Gaius, Popilius Lanus, who delivers a message from the Roman Senate telling Antiochus to withdraw his armies from Egypt and Cyprus or consider themselves in a state of war with the Roman Republic. He said he would discuss it with his council, whereupon the Roman drew a land and sand around him and said, before you cross this circle, I want you to give me a reply for the Roman Senate. 
implying that Rome would declare war if the king stepped out of the circle without committing to leave immediately. Weighing his options, Antiochus decided to withdraw. Only then did Popilius agree to shake hands with him. And that's drawing a line in the sand still is an expression that we use today when somebody is given no opportunity to deliberate but rather needs to make a quick decision. Pasuk Lamid Aleph. We're back to this, okay? Uzro'im imenu ya'amdu, and arms will arise from him. The chizulu amikdash hama'oz, and they will profane the fortified sanctuary. Ve'isiru ha'tamid, and they will remove the korban tamid. Ve'natnu ha'shikutz mishomam, and they will install the mute abomination. So, powerful soldiers... This is either Antiochus IV still, or according to the Ramban, this refers to the Romans occupying Harabai, will, will um, enter the Beit HaMikdash, they will remove, they will abolish the, 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 the offering of the Korban Tamir, and they will place an image in the Beit HaMikdash instead. And this could either be Antiochus placing his image, or the Romans placing images within the Beit HaMikdash and declaring the city to be called Elia Capitolina, as opposed to Yerushalayim. Pasuk Lamid Bet. Brit Yachanif, and he will flatter those who corrupt the covenant, who corrupt the heavenly covenant, Bechalakot, okay, with glibness. But the people who recognize their gods will persevere, Asu, and they will accomplish. And this is the confrontation, I think, between the Hellenists and the Maccabees that we know ultimately re- results in the miracle of Hanukkah. Pasuk Lamid Gimel. And wise men among the people will give understanding to the multitudes. And they will stumble by the sword, and by flame, with captivity, and by plunder, for many days. So the people, the, the Chachamim, will try to teach the people um, wisdom, try to teach Torah, but they will be captured and they will suffer greatly for their dedication to teaching Torah. And this could either be setbacks during the Maccabean revolt, or if we take a far view, this could be talking about the years leading up to the coming of Mashiach. But we will, they, people will be persecuted for, for a long time. Pasuk lamidalit, ubihi kashlam, ubihi kashlam. But when they stumble, yeyazru ezer ma'at, they'll be helped with a little help. Vinilvu alehem rabim bechalklakot. For many will come to their aid in glibness. So they will, they will um, be subject, subjected to persecution, but they may be able to help themselves a little bit. Um, so, some, some few people will help them. There will be other people that will come to join them, but they're not necessarily going to be there out of pure motivations. They're going to be there maybe out of treachery, and that could really evoke to us in the story of Esther, where it says, Many people became like Jews, because the fear of the Jews has fallen upon them. So not out of pure motivation. Pasuk Lamed Hey, verse 35, and some of those wise men will stumble in order, while they're trying to clarify these words of the prophecies of Daniel, okay, trying to figure out when the end of the days would be, and to, inter- and to clarify, 
when the end of time will be. Because it's not yet the designated time. So people are going to try to um, find out, to try to figure out when the Geula will be or when the end of Antiochus' rule will be, but they will not succeed. And the king will do as he please, and he will glorify, and exalt himself. I'll call El over every god, and he will utter fantastic things against the God of gods, meaning Hashem, and he will succeed. Until Hashem's fury is terminated, because it was that which was decreed, needs to be executed. So Antiochus is going to, we know this from historical sources, decrees his own divinity, which is why he's known as Antiochus Epimanus, the madman, because he decided that he was, um, that he was a god. And, um, and he therefore elevates himself over all the other gods, but he will not be taken down until Hashem decides that it's time for him to be taken down, until his anger against the Jews abates. Pasuk Lamed Zayin. Ve'al Elohei avotav lo yavin. And he will not give consideration to, um, to, the, to the religion of his forefathers. Um, interestingly, the Abarbanel says this is talking about Constantine the Great, who went ahead and adopted Christianity as opposed to paganism. Ve'al chemdat nashim and to the women's religions, meaning the fertility cults, the Alkol Eloha, and on any other god, Lo Yavin, he will not um, give consideration, Ki Al Hakol Yitgadal, because he will aggrandize himself over everything. Rashi states, however, that his not paying attention to Al Chemdat Nashim means that he will leave the Jews alone. He won't pay attention to the Hayafa Banashim. Um, but in any case, we have this image of a god who is going to ignore the religion of his forefathers and set something up new. Let's just go back and think about that in terms of Antiochus, that he will, um, he gets involved in some fertility cults, etc., that um, that his family, um, had never, or was not the religion of the Greeks. And Constantine, when it says, the, the Abravanel says that if this is Constantine adopting Christianity, he's going to ignore the love of women, meaning this he will preach, I'm sorry, this is Rabag, he will preach celibacy. Pasuk But the God of the fortresses, Al Kano Yichabed, in its place he will honor. And gods that his fathers did not know, he will honor with, um, with gold, with silver, with precious stones, and with desirable items. So in contrast to how he treats the old gods, he will give great respect to the new ones, and he will, um, he will set up new images um, and give them and give them great God, great honor. Pasuk lametet vaasalim yifzareim uzim, and he will build strong fortresses. Am Eloha nachar in honor of a strange God. Asher yakir, Asher yakir, He will give great honor to whoever he acknowledges. Vihim shilam barabim, and he will empower them over multitudes. Vaadama yichalek bamechir, and he will apportion land for a price. So he will place idols in every fortified city that he builds, 
an idol that nobody knew before. And this is really a mockery that there's no track record of these of these angels, the Abar, of the sorry of these gods. The Abarbanel points out that this is the spread of Christianity, and he will take these cities and make them into administrative centers, and he will give land to his supporters for very little money. See, so he was going to, he's going to enrich his supporters. Ubeet ketz, and at the time of the end, at the end, yitnagach imo the king of the south will clash with him, literally will gore him like an ox gores an, a person. And the king of the north will storm against him with, um, with chariots and horsemen and many ships. He will invade countries and he will flood them and pass through them. So we have this image of a king coming and sweeping through, um, sweeping through countries as he's fighting. From here on in, most Mefarshim say that this ha- hasn't happened yet. Um, so, the, so this is the, what's going to happen at the end of the days. Rashi, in fact, says explicitly, when our redemption comes new. Notice the, the use of the word lingoach, we said before, was the idea of two animals back in the vision of Evel Ulai, um, Uval Ulai, I'm sorry, um, goring each other. And they're going to go and wage war across many nations. I think we don't have to look further back than 75 years to think about evil empires sweeping through and passing through countries. Upasuk mem alef, ubabe eretz hatzvi, and he will come into the coveted land. Virabot yikashlu, and many will stumble. Ve'elayim altumi ado, and these will be saved from his hand. Edom umo'av v'reshit b'nei Amon. Edom, Moab, and the choicest parts of B'nai Ammon. Populations of many cities will fall, but these nations will escape. Pasuk Membet, And he will either stre- he will stretch forth his hand against these nations to harm them. This time the north is going to is going to succeed. The Eretz Mitzrayim They're going to capture Egypt, so there will be no refuge there. He'll gain control over all the storehouses of gold and silver, and all the desirable things of Egypt, and the Lubin, the Libyans, and the Kushim, the Ethiopians, will be crushed in his footsteps. So he's going to he's going to really overpower everything that happens. His successful conquest of Egypt, however, will be interrupted. We will see in the next pasuk, pasuk memdalit. He's going to get bad news, uh, which will astound him of revolt or attacks from the east and the north. And this is really similar to the story of Senchirib in Melachim Bet who's ready to attack Yerushalayim, but hears about rebellions in other areas. And then the king of Egypt will set out in great anger, sorry, the king will set out from Egypt in great anger to destroy and to annihilate many. And he will pitch the tents of his palace between the seas and the holy coveted mountain. There he will come to his end. 
the inn or their low, and there is nobody to help him. He will pitch his tents of, the, of his palace between the Mediterranean Sea and the Harabite, but there he will come to his end because nobody is going to come to help him and he will not be helpable. We know that it could very well be that this is a king who suffered from an illness where nobody could help him. What happens next, we will see in our next shiur. Remember that this is really one uninterrupted vision, but the Christian division breaks it over here. So we will conclude here and continue Bezrat Hashem tomorrow to finish the book of Daniel.